LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar, and we are going to be finishing what I would have liked to have finished on Friday. We're going to try and polish off a few other areas of the subject. The universal basic income. For people that are not thinking macro, they're just thinking about their wallet. Nothing, <laughs> nothing sounds better than having more money, right? Nobody, nobody, nobody would say, nah, I, I, I don't need any more money. Don't give me $1,000. Don't give me $2,000. Don't give me $3,000. Nobody is going to say that, okay? Everybody would like to have more money in their pockets. So it's very easy to understand why somebody who doesn't think in macro, why they would think in the micro sense, why they would think is the individual, the household budget, why they want $1,000 extra a month, why that sounds wonderful. We talked a lot about the reasons why the UBI itself, though, as a policy, is a really, really bad plan, okay? It's just got nothing to do with not wanting poor people to have money. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. See, to kind of recap, one thing we learned during this pandemic, we should have known it before now, but we definitely learned it during the pandemic, was that there are these things called signals, okay? Now, if you've ever watched a baseball game or a football game and you watch the, the third base coach doing these things to the you know, to the batter, you know, and stuff like that. The batter has certain signals they're getting. It's like bunt. Do I bunt here? Do I ground? Do I take the pitch? Do I, you know, swing and a run, you know, anyway, hit and run kind of play. There's a lot of signals that get told. When you watch a pitcher and a catcher playing, the pitchers, the catcher doing these numbers, two for curveball, one for fastball, inside on the right, inside high. There's all these different codes and stuff they get. Or you look at the Houston Astros, they got trash cans they can bang when they want to let you know as they're stealing signs. Okay. But the reality is there are signals that not only the government gives to industry, think about what happens every time the Federal Reserve says, we're going to be meeting in two weeks to discuss the possibility of raising interest rates up however many basis points. Right? When you hear that, industry says, Something's going on here. They're going to do this. And what does it mean if they raise interest rate? What does it mean if they cut interest rates? What does it mean if they add new spending? What does it mean if they cut spending? And there's a whole bunch of signals. These are, these are early warning systems that they start devising strategies around. Okay. Now, when you tell people, we are going to give you $1,000 a month. If you don't have any money coming in, or even if you do have some money coming in, thousand bucks sounds really, really good. 
but it sounds really good to industry too. Okay. Industry takes those cues and they say, listen, in a pool of X number of dollars in the pool, we want to get our chunk of that. Okay. So they in turn start raising rates, start raising prices on various aspects of their business. Now, you could call this greedflation. You could call this pro- profit maximization. Um, you could call this, you know, return on investment, increasing your return on investment. You could call it a number of things. But in the end, it all came from signals, right? They were looking. We're looking at certain indicators to tell them whether or not they were priced at the right place. There's an entire marketing team at companies that sits there and tries to figure out where pricing is, where their position is, uh, placement, product placement, all these different factors, uh, how to market to different demographics, you name it. And so, unfortunately, we live in a laissez-faire sort of state-driven capitalism, okay, where the state works to preserve the capitalist class while putting all the onus and pain on the little guy, you and I. So first things first, when you think about a UBI, you have to ask yourself, given what I just said, why is industry kind of geeked? Why is Silicon Valley geeked? Why are these groups geeked about people getting additional money? Why do you think that Silicon Valley and Wall Street Pacific, if you will, are so exuberant about things like a universal basic income. And I'll tell you why. They know, just like Milton Friedman knew, that if we just drop money, helicopter money, they called it, if we just drop money on the people, what's going to happen? It's going to blow a capitalism up. It'll do that. Problem is, is that we know that businesses haven't been hiring up. They keep those profits. When they get extra money with those PPP loans, they don't reinvest in employees. No, they go ahead and do stock buybacks. They give extra bonuses to the CEOs. They don't pass that money on to the workers, okay? And when you look at rent, you look at a landlord, fuck a landlord, right? But when you look at a landlord, landlord sets their price based on the market conditions of, of the area. But once they realize people have additional money to spend, they say, we want a piece of that pie. And that's when they start hiking rents up, okay? This happens all the time. In the absence of price controls, in the absence of a price anchor, you end up getting inflation. It has nothing to do with printing money. Printing money is just a signal to industry. It's not even printing money. It's spending money. But regardless, the point is, is that you're giving a signal to industry. You're giving a signal to all business owners. who are going to be getting more money. And instead of maintaining their prices at that level and allowing people to take care of getting their teeth fixed or doing whatever it is that would help their lives, these rich capitalists go after making sure they get a chunk of that pie. Folks, I have an MBA. Now, I don't know how many of you all out there have a Master of Business Administration, but I do. I had an international business focus. 
with a marketing back end. So I understood inherently that businesses were seeking profit maximization. Okay. Now the way counter cyclical spending works, what they do, what they do is they focus very much on what the sweet spot is for what they're trying to do. There's a whole line of thinking about, you know, do we want our product to be exclusive? Do we want it to be like, uh, you know, easy access? Do we want it to be the low, low cost item? Do we want it to be the, the, uh, standard bearer when it comes to the cheapest price or do we want it to have the prestige of having a higher price or do we want to be seen as middle of the road so people that want rich but don't want to seem poor go ahead and buy the middle wrong you know there's all these things that go through their heads as they set prices but one thing is for sure the c-suite the cfo the chief marketing officer they're looking at how they can get that because their pay is directly tied to the profit of the corporation. Those shareholders, the stockholders, you name it, they all want to see that company maximize profit. And here's the problem. If there are other stocks out there, if there are other companies out there that are maximizing profit, what they end up doing is they say, we've got to be competitive with their price. That doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to reduce price. It means that they may raise prices, but just slightly below the market leader in pricing, the highest price. So each one of these things, you know, as, as it, when you think about federal markets, when you think about federal uh, procurement, the federal government has a requirement to take three bids, at least it's called the federal acquisition. Um, was it react far it's called the far i don't know what the r stands for this i'll remember it later but it basically says they got to have at least three bids to compare to and you have to take the lowest bid or you have to be prepared to justify why you took a higher bid okay so all these things matter really big time when it comes to business so it has nothing to do with printing money per se it's not like suddenly you print money and and prices go up what happens is, is that industry knows that it's got money that it can grab and it's not going to give up its piece of the pie. All right, that's it. This isn't like, like whether you are doing a UBI or not, this is business 101. This is marketing 101. This is pricing 101. This is marketing, four Ps of marketing 101, okay? So if that's true, and it is, but if that's true, then you have to understand that you either have to, A, have a, a federal government that is willing to tax away ill-gotten gains of the C-suite to make it so that there's no profit in raising prices. There's no point in doing it because we're just going to tax it away from you. And the problem is, is that corporations are smart to that. They're wise to that. They know that when the federal government tries to raise their taxes, they just pass those costs on to the consumer. They never actually pay those, okay? They never do that. So anyway, that said, all the ideas that we have in our heads have to be counterbalanced, not only with the fact that business has a certain angle that it's going to attack, but we also have to understand who the corporations are and what their take on it is. We also have to understand how, how the federal government came to be and how our constitution came to be and who 
they served and who the Constitution serves. If you listen to our podcast, Macro and Cheese with Michael Hudson this week, you know, point blank, the original, the original documents, the founding documents did not expect black people to be at Harvard. They didn't want black people at Harvard. In fact, the originalist would say blacks were only three fifths of a human being by the constitution. Think about that for a minute. Okay. So everything that we have as a constitution, as a government, as a business philosophy in this neoliberal era, all points to doing bad things to regular people, not helping them, but literally increasing the vice grip to make life just a little bit worse, just a little teeny bit worse. Okay. And it's all about coercion, but it's really, they don't really give a shit whether you live or die. What they care about is profit maximization, shareholder value. Okay. Now we talked also about a federal job guarantee and why a federal job guarantee is so vital. Federal job guarantee does something that the UBI could never do because the UBI has no productive work tied to it. Nothing, nothing to balance it out. No nominal price anchor, but the federal job guarantee does. The federal job guarantee is the de facto minimum wage. So if I set a living wage for the job guarantee at 36,000 a year, that's 3,000 a month. Okay. $3,000 a month for the job guarantee. I'm just saying it could be higher than it could be lower, but the point is let's, let's keep it 36,000 a year at 3,000 a month. Okay. That right there would come with benefits and everything else. You have set the de facto minimum wage for the country. You don't have to worry about fight for 15 anymore because the job guarantee sets the minimum wage by default. So in order to hire you out of the job guarantee, industry would have to meet or beat the price of the job guarantee. Now, why does that matter? I want you to think about this. It literally raises wages right there from Jump Street. That is literally how it does. And this is the part that makes me rage because people are so disingenuous and disgracefully dishonest, okay? The job guarantee is about redefining work. It's about redefining what work even is. What is a payable job? What is a job that can be compensated? Now, you heard my talk about MBA stuff and you heard my talk about boardrooms and, and businesses setting prices and going after things that are profitable. A lot of things that have incredible amounts of social value don't necessarily have any capitalistic value. RP, real progress is what we do here. Some people may not think what we do matters, but other people do, but we still don't have jack shit for donations. Okay, so the question becomes, is it socially valuable? Is there any use in doing it? What is the point in doing this if there is no demand for it? And yet every day my inbox fills up with new people coming to me saying, 
Oh my God, I learned something today. So, oh my God, thank you so much for teaching me. Yet people don't feel it's worth paying for. That, that, that's brutal, but it's true. Okay. We, we, we get a probably about $1,500 a month, all these years later. And we've got like 20 plus volunteers doing work. We've got video editors. We've got webinar platform. We've got tons of stuff. And we still only bring in like 1500 a month for the whole damn shooting match. Okay. It includes keeping the website up, taking care of business stuff, taking care of equipment for live streams and uh, coverage of other things. Plus all the software packages to edit video and audio, you name it. And in the end, what if a job guarantee actually could compensate people that worked in nonprofits? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Okay. So there's so many things here that have social value. But the other thing is that because we're redefining what work even is, it's not make work and it's not fill a hole. I've said this so many times. I said it last Friday. I'm saying it again now. Talk about you, an artist, you, a stay-at-home parent, you, a musician. Being able to take that, making that part of the job guarantee. Look, this is about solidarity, fist in the air. This is about being labor. You see all these fucking liars say that we need a labor movement. We need to make labor stronger. We need a labor party. And then out the other side of their mouth, they worthlessly peddle a UBI. There's the anti-labor, okay? Because what is paid work? If you're giving money away, right? So fundamentally, this paradigm of why the government even provisions itself with using dollars flies right out the window, okay? Now, we already have a basic income, folks. We already have Social Security. Now, Social Security is funded on paper by FICA. In other words, the uh, the tax you pay for Social Security, for SSDI, et cetera, Social Security, disability insurance, you name it. There's survivor benefits covered by Social Security, et cetera. Now, that's just in the U.S., Almost every country has some form of social safety net like this, some form of basic income like this, but it's targeted. It's not universal. It's not for everyone. Okay. So within the social security space, all of those things, well, yeah, here, let's go ahead and tackle this elephant in the room here, right here. Okay. Social security needs major improvements. Well, let's start with that. Let's talk about Social Security and make sure that no one leaves this live stream ever saying anything worthless again about Republicans rating a spreadsheet. Let's make sure no one ever says anything incorrect. We got to raise the cap. So make sure you never say anything less than, always above board, always smart people's comments. No more Dumbo comments, okay? So the thing is that Social Security is self-funding. What the FICA dollars are and what the Social Security Trust Fund does is provide the authority to make payments. Guess where the payments come from? They come from the same place that every other payment the government does, the Treasury. Every single FICA dollar you spend 
to the government. Every time you provide a FICA tax and look at your tax, look at your paycheck, look at the breakdown, and it talks about your different deductions. When you understand that every dollar that is taxed is deleted, it doesn't exist anymore. That includes your social security doesn't exist anymore. Never did because there is no such thing as a piggy bank with your trust fund in it. There's merely a stroke tally. Yep, there's another dollar came in your account. Yep, 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 yep. And so in the end, a lot of good people are destroying Social Security by saying, we got to lift the cap, we got to raise FICA taxes. The most regressive shitball tax of them all. And it was only because FDR was too much of a coward to fight for the truth. So he instituted this pay for thing because he figured nobody will let go of it if you pay for it. If you think you're paying into it, nobody's going to just give that up. You think you got a piggy bank there, but wrong. If you're driving down the road and you see one of those hoses in the road and your car runs over and it counter goes click, yep, another car went by, yep, another car went by, that is what your FICA is. Nothing more than that. And it says, yeah, we got this many clicks that went past the post. Okay. FICA is fucked up because they want it to be. Do you understand that? They purposely don't elevate the cost of living. They purposely don't allow for a lot of the things that they should allow for. They purposely make it very difficult to deal with as well. None of that has to be that way. It's like me telling you, you have to stand in the corner rub your belly and pat your head in order for the government to spend money. And some dumbass will sit there in the corner, rub their belly and pat their head and do this. And then when dollars appear, say, see, taxes really do fund spending. Okay. But in reality, FICA is just a basic income. It's targeted though. And the target may not be broad enough. It may not have the right amount in it. All of that stuff is details that could be fixed because in order to pass a job guarantee, in order to pass a universal basic income, in order to pass anything, housing is a right, you name it. It doesn't matter how many of us love it. You got to have someone in Congress pass a law, get the president to sign off on it before any of it happens. Okay. But you also have to remember something else too. Who do you believe, based on my comments about the founding documents and the founding fathers and all the other crap that we get fed, how many of you all believe in your heart of hearts that the government is there to serve you or we the people? And I mean this not in a way that is anti-government because I am pro-big government, man. I am pro-central planning you don't got any issues with me saying shit about the government. The issue with the government is that it's captured, is that it doesn't serve our, you and my, class interest. It serves capital, period, okay? And anything that benefits you will be passed only because it benefits them, okay? These are challenges that a lot of fucking doe-eyed people can't get past 
They believe AOC is fighting daily for them. They believe that Bernie Sanders is still just fighting daily for them. They believe that Joe Biden wouldn't possibly send cluster bombs to Ukraine if it wasn't absolutely necessary. Even though they're outlawed by 100 countries and it's illegal. But Joe Biden made the very serious decision to send cluster bombs. Okay? But we still believe these people in this apparatus as it is are there to serve us. This is not conspiratorial. This is not, oh, I don't like elections. Hey, I love democracy where it works. It's not working here. None of this is. So in order to get a UBI, in order to get a job guarantee, in order to get Social Security fixed, in order to do any of that, you need a functioning democracy. You need a functioning Congress that actually serves its constituents. You don't have that no matter how many times they think about this. And I'm I'm not going to stay here long, but think about this. For the entire first couple of years of Joe Biden's presidency, not one of these shit fuck Democrats stood up and said Medicare for all. Then the minute that they lost the House, they went back and all of a sudden Pramila Jayapal and the rest of the fucking sellouts came out and started talking about Medicare for all in a lame duck session where they had no power. You can't make it up. They're not your friend. They're not on your side. They are stooges for capital. They are stooges for capital. And you notice as soon as they wanted it, They had a parliamentarian there blocking legislation. As soon as they wanted, they had a cinema or a mansion blocking it. Cory Booker standing in the way as the rotating villain for a pharmacy bill that Sanders had put forward. It's all predictable. They knew this was coming. They went, they performed their act, then went out to dinner. Okay? So all of these things we're talking about are as if We had a functioning democracy. But think about how many people can't imagine the concept of price controls. You need price controls if you're going to give vouchers for school vouchers. You need it if you're going to give a UBI. You need price controls on those things unless you are simply providing the goods and services directly to the people and not transacting in cash, but allowing the government to make payments just like Medicare for all would be single payer. Allowing the government to make those payments to whomever control, they control that exchange. It never makes it to you. And that way you are not hit one way or the other. With an increase in prices, the government is paying prices. The government is holding that. Now, because government and industry are walking hand in glove, you can pretty much guarantee that without stripping away the corruption, that government will indeed fatten the wallets of industry, even if they did give us free services. Okay, Even if they did provide those things, they would allow those companies to gouge right now at this point. Because that's how they're wired. That's their intent. That's their intent. Okay. So what ends up happening? 
well-meaning people, well-meaning people that haven't got a clue what economics is at the macro level, well-meaning people that feel apt to stand toe-to-toe with you when they're wrong and they're clueless about something, will still backmouth and still talk shit, okay? But the reality is macroeconomics and microeconomics are two very different schools of discipline. And when you're talking about a macro, we're going to give everyone $1,000. Let's stratify this. Let's look at it stratification-wise. We already know that you give a poor person $1,000, what's going to happen? They're going to literally spend every cent of it because they are so far behind the eight ball. They'll be buying you know, necessities. They'll be buying whatever they can to survive. But as you go up to the next level, these people in here may use that extra money to offset some shitty wage they have. They may use that to uh, pay off a bill here and there. Okay. What happens at the top? They suck that money away in the fire sector and it becomes more stock options, more bonds, more, more enriching things. And so what happens if all tides rise at the same time? What do we call that? We call that status quo. Nothing fundamentally changed. You got extra money, but the price of goods and everything else went up at the same time. Okay? This is why we continually push for universal basic services, not universal basic income. Okay? Now, we got into some heavy-duty fights here. In fact, I lost a friend. <laughs> Because I said point blank, just face it, you're, you're ready to hand over the keys to capital because all a UBI is is a pass-through. The poor people, they don't get to hoard that little measly thousand bucks. Think about it. If I'm giving you a thousand bucks a month, what is that a year? That's 12,000 a year. Can you live on 12,000 a year? No, you can't. So what is that going to do? It's going to subsidize a shit wage, a trash wage, because you're going to have to work, period. Okay, so for all those statements of people, what if, they, what if they're disabled or what if they are an artist or whatever? That UBI is not going to be enough for you to live on. 1000 a month, that's 12000 a year. You can't live on that. Not in this country anyway. Okay. So that means some other jackass corporation can say, hey, they're getting a thousand bucks. There's no reason for me to raise prices. No, I mean, excuse me, no reason to raise wages. So in fact, they may even reduce wages. Okay, ever since the Powell memo in the 60s, ever since these Chicago school libertarians have been pushing and begging for this. Why? Because there was a huge contingent of people on the right not the left. The left had its own problems with the FDR and the New Deal. But on the right, there was a huge problem. They wanted to strip away everything FDR did, good and bad. And so their idea was to eradicate the welfare state, eradicate food stamps, eradicate all these things, and provide you with a small stipend. To quote, you know, the fictitious Milton Friedman, the only thing wrong with capitalism is we need more capitalism. So let's go ahead and give some cash to people and then they'll just spend it. 
Okay. Now, when you have nothing, that sounds good. I get it. I get it. I get it completely. For me personally right now, a thousand bucks extra in my pocket would be huge. If prices stayed static. That's the problem. You cannot go in to any of these things without a price anchor. Price anchor is what stabilizes when the business goes up and down, up and down. It stabilizes prices. Okay. And that's where the job guarantee comes in. It serves as not only an incredible automatic stabilizer, which the UBI does not, because once that money's in there, you get a one-time bang for your buck kind of feeling, and then it's status quo. Prices rise, everything gets sucked up. That's the way business is taught to do it. And until you make it illegal for businesses to exist, until you do away with this capitalist system, you are living in capitalism. Not socialism, not anarchy, not anything else that you want it to be. You are living in a anarcho-capitalist world. You are living literally in the ANCAP paradise called the US of A, okay? And it's very, very important to understand this. If you didn't get an MBA and you didn't get a business degree at, at the bachelor level, and you didn't get an associate's degree at the bachelor level, fucking look up how corporations find their price. Look up the four P's of marketing. Look up how they determine profit and how they determine what projects to invest in and what not to. Look up how they determine return on investment or ROI. Look at how they do these things. Don't just say things and expect to be taken seriously. You must do the work. There's no shortcuts. Because what happens next because of marketing and because of people that literally have no class analysis whatsoever, they are true capitalists to the bone that don't understand the strategic nature of what the job guarantee is intended to do. will gladly bring a shithead like Scott Santon's on and let him spew all his bullshit with his stupid hat on and make you believe, oh my God, he's an MMT or two. He even dropped the name of Kelton. He said, Stephanie Kelton and an MMT. You know, one of the other things that's really challenging here is that people still don't understand that states are currency users just like you and I. So any policy you do at the state level literally has to be paid for via taxes, okay? At the federal level, not so much. Federal taxation is never respent for anybody new coming to the show and hadn't heard this stuff. Federal taxation just pulls money out of the economy. That's why when some jack fuck says something like, oh, they're just printing all this money. What happens if you print all this money? Well, the good news, taxes delete it. And new spending is brought in as taxes pull it out. 
and it doesn't go in a piggy bank. It is literally deleted. It did its job. Money is temporary. And in a fiat system, which, by the way, we have a sovereign, free-floating fiat currency. Fiat means by decree, meaning we spend it into existence by authority of the government. We just, there you go. Okay. So if you understand that taxes literally do not fund spending, and you understand that states are currency users, not currency issuers like the federal government is, then you can start thinking through these problems. When you understand it's not the quantity of money that's in the system that matters, it's really the distribution that matters. Because one person with a trillion dollars is going to exact his demand very differently than a million people with a thousand dollars or whatever. When you have an understanding of the distributional problems and what actually creates inflation, whether it be government setting prices higher by paying higher prices, whether it be through raising interest rates or whether it be a supply chain type issue that creates bottlenecks that add costs, okay? Whatever it is, shortages, demand short, you know, we have a situation where we've got not enough energy to produce whatever. We don't have enough transportation to produce whatever. We don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nurses. We don't have enough hospitals. We don't have enough teachers, whatever. Those are the things. And if we spend on those things, the money they spend will create a robust economy for all because it's being spent down at the working class level. It's not being spent up at Halliburton sea level. Okay. So when you think about providing universal services versus universal income, you can certainly see how the economy flourishes, the people flourish because they get the real thing they really needed, okay? And with the job guarantee too, here's the beautiful thing. The job guarantee as a right, okay? So that means somebody that was homeless. That means somebody who was released from jail that is being told that if you don't have a job, you're gonna go back to jail, vagrancy type things, okay? So folks with a job guarantee job, have a job. Do yourself a favor, listen to Michelle Alexander, listen to Sandy Darity, and uh, you know, uh, listen to all these voices that talk about what they do to black and brown people and people that are being released from prison and integrating them back into society and think about how they make it impossible to get a job by putting a mark on your record while simultaneously saying, if you don't have a job, you'll go to jail, et cetera. Exactly. There you go. Let's put this up here. Rule of thumb, find out who is pushing a policy. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys think you're Coke brother material? How many of you guys feel like you are all about being homies with the Coke brothers? Anybody? How about Von Mises? Folks, libertarians, the ones that want to literally decimate the government, 
strip it of its welfare state, strip it of any services it provides other than policing, which it loves because policing protects private property, which is all they have. That's all they care about. They place private property above everything. They are the anti-left. They are all about individualism. Okay? When you think about that, when you think about that, Ask yourself why these Silicon Valley libertarians want you to have a universal basic income. Why they want you to become a consumption unit. Why they are looking forward to you being able to just click buy, buy, buy on your Amazon app as it pops up on your phone, as you're changing a diaper and you go, oh, there's an impulse buy, boom. Why do you think they want that? Why do you think that? And let me tell you something else too that was really fantastic. If you listen again to the Michael Hudson interview this weekend, you realize he says point blank. We can't bring these industrial jobs back to the U.S. because the U.S. has created so many anti-labor policies that it's in conflict with itself. It's created a system that it can't undo unless it changes that. And there's a lot of sellouts out there talking about the march of the robots and automation. But in reality, socially useful work is still valuable work, even if it doesn't earn a profit for the landlord, even if it doesn't earn a profit for the corporate lords, okay? Socially useful work in your community it's valuable to you and your community. It's valuable to your children. It's not make work. It's not. It's fundamentally taking the power away from capital and allowing people to choose work that they want, maybe even jobs they create. They write a proposal and say, this is the job I'd like to do. Thing about the job guarantee is this. If you are a poor person, generational poverty, or a homeless person, or a person just released from jail, it doesn't matter. You could get a job instantly. By law, a living wage with benefits. You talk about ending the generational curse, generational poverty, all these things. That's it. And I'm going to tell you, anecdotally, they hire kids straight out of high school and maybe even in college to work with folks like my son, who is autistic. And we waited years, not year, years for services. Not because the state didn't have jobs, there was plenty of demand, tons of parents begging for support. The problem was they paid the workers so badly that the minute they got a chance to flip burgers at McDonald's, they left and did that instead. There were people that wouldn't go to the daycare where my son was at because he just didn't feel like driving the extra 20 minutes was too much gas money given the shitty wage they were getting. 
So there is so much important work that is gone undone and uncompensated that to give into this lie of the March of the Robots, to give into this lie that Scott Santons and his ilk peddle on a daily basis is to literally fuck labor right in the ass, no Vaseline and no smooth kiss on the cheek, not even a, hey, how you doing? And that right there is a disgrace. See, I said this on Friday. I want to repeat it because I don't think people get this. You and I, we have only a couple things when we're stripped down to nothing that we can offer. We can offer our labor and we can offer our time. That's it. We can offer our brains but that's all tied to labor and time, right? That's skill and time. We can offer those things. The job guarantee allows us to say, hey, I'm filled up on time, dude. You can't subsidize your shitty wage at Walmart or at McDonald's or wherever. You can't subsidize that with my UBI because instead of getting a UBI, I have a job guarantee and I'm making a living wage. If you want me to work for you, you have to beat it. So all those folks living under a bridge that have no address, you've got a job. No problem. We'll find work for you. We'll we will get you plugged in. We will allow you to maybe even, there's even some cases out there where people have talked about paying kids to go to school as opposed to charging them to go to school, paying them to go to school, paying for their living expenses. See, it's just a fundamentally different way of viewing the world, isn't it? Participatory collectivism. You call it whatever you want. But the UBI is all about the individual. It's about individualism. It's not about the community. It's not about the collective. It's about one person. And the job guarantee actually solves it. Because see, I even see good MMTers that I'm really disappointed in, to be fair, that don't recognize that the idea that people that can't do work, what does that mean? You mean they're they're like literally in a, on a, a, a innovation tube, an oxygen machine, and an iron lung, and they can't work? Or you mean they can't lift a heavy package? Okay. What if they sat there like they do with social media all day, click, click, click? What if they sat there at their computer and were able to play checkers with a kid in an orphanage? Or what if they were able to talk to somebody that's elderly that just needs a friend? Or maybe they were able to read nighttime bedtime stories to kids, or maybe they were any number, the million, the, the impossible, huge opportunities are only as limited as your fucking brain is limited to dream. Because the idea is there's so many things that are valuable that we could compensate. And the point of it is to not subsidize shitty wages. To not give the goddamn capitalists more free money to pass through. It's to make them be good citizens. It is to fundamentally shift the power to, right now there is zero power for labor. Job guarantee changes that. 
Otherwise, you're just an individual bouncing around a pinball game. Going and driving for Uber Eats and hoping to God that you make ends meet. It's just as bad as it sounds. It's just as bad as it sounds. And even if automation took away a lot of shitty jobs, it was time where we used to share in the belief that automation should benefit everyone, but it doesn't. And see, this bullshit UBI is a capitulation to that to ensure that the, the gains of automation never help Main Street. They only help capital. It's the death knell of labor. It is literally fucking dropping to your knees and throating a sword of bullshit. I, I really have lost so much respect, like an insane amount of respect for people that I once held a lot of respect who keep pushing this UBI crap, who don't address any of these points. And when they do, it's like, well, you know, maybe I got it wrong. or ah. Clearly not going to be hurt one way or the other with a UBI because they're, they're mm-hmm, pinky out, you know, and, that's why you gotta ask who's the one pushing for it the poor are desperate they're gonna take whatever the fuck you throw at them please give me anything i get it so the point of learning about a job guarantee and learning about a ubi and learning about social security and expanding learning about the fact that fica doesn't actually fund Social Security. So we need to change Social Security. We need to get rid of FICA. <clears throat> we need to stop the farce that is the trust fund. And it's a farce. And every time you see somebody, but there's a trust fund and the Republicans raided it. Every time I see that, I just like throw up in my mouth a little. Because I realize how huge the chasm is from smarts to dumbness. It's like fucking radically horrible, okay? Radically horrible. And so in the end, if you change the authority to pay back to Congress, you know, the difference between Medicare trust fund and the actual Social Security trust fund is Medicare still allows Congress to fill any shortfalls, to make any payments necessary. The way the Social Security bill was written, it says that, it needs the authority. So it has to have so much tallies, not money, because there's no money in a fucking spreadsheet. It, it, it's, it's insane. You understand? It's fucking insane. Get rid of that lie. Fully funded by the government, fully funded at a living wage, whatever, and make it targeted to those people who cannot produce work, who can't work. And for those who are saying, well, what about, what about, what about us? I'm right. The fucking what abouters. I'm here to tell you that you can design a job that doesn't look anything like showing up to McDonald's and flipping burgers or sitting in a fucking skull crushing soul sucking job where you're moving paper from one side of your desk to the other. 
and you can do work. You can create a job that has to do with you because it's federally funded, but locally administered. Now, I'll tell you this. This is probably the last point that I'm going to make on this. Imagine if all of us here on this live stream sat down together in our local town hall. We showed up at that meeting where they determine what jobs will be funded. And we submitted our own jobs and we came there to help people think through what jobs could be funded. I call that a democracy enhancer because everybody says local elections matter and local politics matter. Well, there's a perfect opportunity to show up and be part of that. Now that I think would be effective. Voting for Joe Biden got you cluster bombs, okay? Yeah, got you cluster bombs. Gotta be proud of yourself, folks. You have gotta be proud of you. You got Joe Biden in office. Thank God, right? You did such a noble thing. Don't you feel good? Cluster bombs to Ukraine. You must feel so good. You must feel so good about yourself for doing that. I think there might be something wrong with people's brains that allowed them to do that. And I'm sure some of you voted for Biden because somebody told you, what do you want, Trump? The reality is, is that we as a left, we as the working class, we're stronger fighting against Donald Trump than we were being cucks to Biden. We have a lot, nobody that I know of is for the things that we hear from coming out of the Biden administration. I don't know anybody that's really for them. And the people that I see for them are clueless lemmings. It was a really good thing to send cluster bumps because we got to get rid of the Putin. The Putin. Who's going to get rid of Biden for sending cluster bumps? Think about what I'm saying. And also remember this. When you're thinking about where money comes from and where it's spent, even if we're bombing the bejesus out of the rest of the world. We never took money out of a kitty. There wasn't some pool of money we took money out of and redirected it to the military. We spend money on bills. We write bills, we spend money into them. So if we wanted to give kids student lunches for free, we spend it on student lunches. If we wanted to give kids free college, we spend it on free college. If we want to give everyone health care and no copay, we give them health care and no copay. It doesn't matter where that money, if we were spent on the military, what matters is do we have the real resources? And to get the real resources, guess what you need? You need labor. You need labor. This is why, one of the many reasons why the UBI is a shitball policy. As all that money is sucked up by the capitalist class, getting fatter. And they're like, 
We gave you your UBI. What the fuck are you complaining about? Shut up and go get a job. Instead, if you had the job guarantee, be like, hey, I got a job. Paying a living wage. Huge difference. Huge, huge difference. And when capital can't just take advantage of you because you can just say fuck you and go work in the job guarantee. It's going to change the way things are. It's going to change them really fast too. Anyway, my name's Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar. I hope you guys got something out of this. And on that note, I'm out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 